Well, good morning. It's so good to see you here today on Pentecost Sunday, and that is a, a major holiday for us because of the fact that it's one of the holidays that was uh, like the Feast of the Lord. It was called Shavuot in the Old Testament, and that's the name of one of those Feasts of the Lord, 50 days after Passover. But for Pentecost, that is the seventh Sunday after Easter. I don't know if you've celebrated that before in church, but it is a wonderful holiday to celebrate and a great time to kick off our series, The Spirit of the Lord. Uh, in Hebrew, Shavuot means weeks. It was the Festival of Weeks was another name for it because the people counted 49 days after the Sabbath of the Feast of First Fruits, and then the very next day, the 50th day, was the Feast of Shavuot. And to really understand Pentecost and, and understand what Shavuot is and how they are really kind of uh, different sides of the same holiday, we need to start in the Old Testament. So if you have your Bible and can turn to Exodus 19, we're going to read a few verses there to start this off. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourself have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. So as you can tell here, Shavuot, this festival, the Old Testament version of Pentecost, is about a covenant. And in the passage here in Exodus, it talks about uh, the covenant that is celebrating the giving of the Torah, the giving of the law. And the people of Israel, they had been traveling for 47 days, and then the Lord offered them a covenant. And Moses is the first one, uh, is the one, rather, who brings the proposal to the people on the 47th day after the festival of first fruits. And the covenant then, three days later, would be finalized. A covenant, as you know, a covenant tells the responsibilities of these two parties that are in covenant together. And in verse 5, God tells them what their part is in this, in this uh, part. He said to Moses that we just read in verse 5, it says that their part, the people's part, is to hear his voice. And that Greek uh, Hebrew word there is shema, which means to not just hear, but to hear and obey, to hear with obedience, to fully obey and to keep the covenant. And then God in that same verse tells them what his part is. And he says, you will be my treasured possession. You will be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And Moses tells the people the terms of the agreement then. He comes, he tells them what the covenant is, and they all respond together after he tells them, yes, we will do everything the Lord has said. So that sounds like a good thing. The Lord said this, the people said, yep, that's what we want, and they agreed to what the Lord had said through Moses. And they were to be then a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, but they had not yet finalized it. They had not yet received the law. And this first part of the covenant is sort of like a marriage covenant. It's the betrothal part here. And then the final part of this agreement at Shavuot would come three days later. 
And the people say yes, and God says yes, and, and it's done, right? Well, let's read on. Exodus 19, 16 through 19. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it with fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. So in the Old Testament, God is in the process here of giving the people the law. This is Shavuot, the giving of the law. He spoke to the people, and the glory and the presence of God came down on the mountain. And when that happened, there was smoke, fire, lightning, and thunder. And the sound of a trumpet or a shofar was blowing as this was happening. And he gave them the words and the details of the covenant. The agreement is that the people hear my voice and keep my covenant, and God will make them a nation of priests. Okay, so how, as this is going on at the foot of the mountain with all this trembling, all this stuff going on, how did the people respond? What were they doing? They were trembling. They were fearful. They were scared to death. Wouldn't you be? I mean, all this stuff going on, they were trembling. They were afraid. Uh, the, and so... When the, let's go to uh, chapter 20, verse 16 through 19. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, uh, speak to us yourself <laughs> and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so the fear of the Lord will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance. That's a sad thing there, by the way. While Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. So in this passage, the Hebrew word for thunder is the voice. That's one of the ways you can translate that Hebrew word, the voice. And so what happened was, as the voice of the Lord was saying things, it sounded like thunder to the people. They saw the thunder and lightning. They, they saw the voice of God speaking to them. In the Young's commentary, it says that they saw the voice as a fiery substance. We already heard that there was fire coming down on the mountain. And when the people saw this, they were so scared that they asked for a change in the agreement. They said they don't want to hear God's voice. Too scary. No, don't want that. They changed their mind and they say, Moses, okay, you listen to God. You hear from God and you tell us. You be the mediator for us. Well, with any modification in the agreement, like if you have a contract or a covenant with someone, if one party wants to change things, then that puts the whole covenant up where the other party can change some stuff too. So uh, if the people don't want to be part of what they had agreed to, then the other party, God in this case, can change what he said he would do. So God honored the change from then on. From then on, he only spoke through prophets and priests he spoke through Moses through the rest of this time and then later priests and prophets and not the whole nation not to the individuals that was what he had in mind he wanted to speak to everybody but just a few people along the way got to be hearing God's voice until Jesus came 
the next opportunity to hear the voice of God is on the Mount of Transfiguration. When they said they didn't want part of the agreement, the people said, we don't want to hear God's voice, then God said, okay, you are no longer going to be a nation of kings and priests. I'll honor that. When Jesus came on the Mount of Transfiguration in the New Testament, Jesus, he'd been ministering with his disciples. He went up on the mountain with three of the closest ones. And this is what, it's, what happened. Matthew 17, 5, while he was still speaking, while Jesus was still speaking to them, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. So here's God giving the people an opportunity to hear from him again, to listen to Jesus, to hear his voice. And Jesus talks about this and how we should obey him in John 10, 14 to 18. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not part of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. There shall be one flock and one shepherd. The problem with what Israel said they wanted to have a mediator between them and God was that a mediator is a human being, just like them. And so they can only be in one place at one time. And what happened is when Moses wasn't around, the people didn't remain faithful. When Moses was with God for 40 days on the mountain getting all the rest of the details of the law, the people made an idol, a golden calf, and they bowed down and sacrificed it to it, and they did all these heathen practices that they had seen in Egypt. They no longer were faithful to God. Because Moses wasn't around all the time, he couldn't enforce that covenant. And the, term, the terms of the agreement of the covenant were not defective. It was the mediator, because Moses and all the prophets who followed were just people. Human beings, they couldn't be there all the time. The nation lost faith, as you know, as you read through the New Test or the Old Testament, it, they get further and further into sin as it goes. So the nation lost faith, and all things seemed to be going downhill. In Hebrews, God talks about covenants, how Israel did not remain faithful. In Hebrews 8, 9, it says, I will not be like the covenant. Um, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors. When I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. The change in agreement of not hearing God for themselves cost Israel something, didn't it? Uh, not being a pre kingdom of priests, not being a holy nation. When we refuse what God has for us, we lose that opportunity of a relationship with God. If we say, I don't want it like that, I want a different deal, God can't honor that. We need to know who God is for us today. We can know this by reading the Bible, the word of God, by the witness of that Holy Spirit within us, and by the presence of God. The reason many people today do not understand who God is is because they have made God in their own image. They don't worship the almighty God who created heaven and earth, what they worship is a God of their own imagining, how they think God is, because they're not seeing who God says he is. They're worshiping a small g God. We need to have a personal encounter with 
what in Hebrew is Yahweh Elohenu, which means God Almighty. Uh, Jeho Jehovah Sabaoth, God of the hosts. And have a sense of the power and majesty of our God. The people had a fear of God, but and we must have a fear of God too, but not to run from him like these people did, but to accept a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that gives us a relationship with the almighty creator. We need to thank him for the forgiveness of sins and receive the gift of eternal life by accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior and to receive the Holy Spirit's power for our lives. The Feast of Shavuot in the Old Testament celebrates the giving of the Torah, the giving of the law, and Pentecost, the New Testament fulfillment of that holiday, celebrates the giving of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way we can live a Christian life as followers of Jesus Christ. So I've just said that it's the giving of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? What do you think? Third person of the Trinity. Yeah. The comforter and the teacher. The convictor, the helper. The power of God is in him. Yeah, because he is God. God is a triune God, like you were saying. Uh, there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All parts God. I know I don't understand it either, but he's fully God too. And um, in Genesis 1, 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning God created the earth, heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So what we see here is that the Holy Spirit was involved in creation. All of our history as a world and as people, the Holy Spirit's part of that. Uh, God's a triune God, like we said, he exists in three. At the beginning of the world, the Holy Spirit is there, and that word for God is a plural. Isn't that cool? Um, God, the Holy Spirit's there, and in the Old Testament, there's examples for different people, as we see, and, and they're ministering, trying to accomplish the will of God, and it says that the Holy Spirit comes on them. But this was not an all-time thing. This was just to accomplish a, a ministry or a certain thing, uh, the Holy Spirit would come. But this was not for everyone and not all the time. When Jesus came to earth, he died and rose again, that those things would change. That would change. In fact, when Jesus first started his ministry, John the Baptist predicted that Jesus would give us the Holy Spirit. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So John predicted that the Holy Spirit would be given by Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. We're born again of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is another thing and that's the pouring out of that Holy Spirit within us. Okay, baptism. The, reg the baptism in water means that we're immersed in water. And the baptism with the Holy Spirit means that we are immersed or saturated with the Holy Spirit. And then we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. 
there's a lot there's a word in there that you know you may or may not know because I don't think too many people use that word in America Ephesians 5:18 in the New Living says don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life if you go around being drunk with wine it can ruin your life instead be filled with the Holy Spirit and what Paul is uh, comparing here is how when you, when you drink alcohol, you can become under the influence of it. But you still can choose to not or do something or do it. Same with the Ho Holy Spirit when he is uh, in your life, when, he is, uh, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. He influences your decisions. I remember right after I had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, that happened for me as an adult. And I was driving my car and um, I used to get upset with other drivers on the road. And I'd beep at them when they cut in front of me. And I'd have trouble driving and really honoring the Lord with my driving, okay? I'm just going to confess right now. Okay. So when I was driving after I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm driving all, I was going to go do that. And I felt like, no, better not. And so that's kind of the influence of the Holy Spirit. It's like he, it says that he gives us, uh, convicts us of sin, righteousness, righteousness, and the judgment to come. So when he's convicting you of sin, maybe that was that was the beeping on the horn there, you know. Mm -hmm. But then there's also the influence in righteousness when when we should do something that's right, and and he inspires us or influences us to do the right thing. This is not like we're robots, okay? We're not running around like little robots here. This is like the influence, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like you had your mom with you when you're walking around in the world saying, oh, you probably shouldn't do that. Or, oh, that'd be a really good thing to do. Uh, not quite that way, but, you know, I mean, he gives us strength and guidance to follow Jesus Christ and have the influence of God within us. And God is speaking to us through the Holy Spirit. When we read the word of God, it comes alive when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. When we read it, it's like things just come alive within it. And uh, we also have that deep within us, that leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told the disciples when he ascended back to heaven to wait until they received the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, 4, and 5 says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then verse 7 and 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So what kind of power do we receive? What do you think? Wisdom, Wisdom yeah. The ability to live a righteous life. Power to make good decisions. Power to make good decisions. Wisdom there, yeah. The desire to see others saved. To be effective in your calling. Yes, good answers, guys. It helps us control our thoughts. It gives us power to live a holy life, power for ministry, power to live our lives in a godly way, and wisdom to know what to do, to honor and glorify Jesus. So let's read about what happened. Jesus said, wait, this will happen. So let's read in Acts 2, verses 1 through 8. 
um, and read about this experience they had. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How then is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Okay, jump down to verse 11. Both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and then it had before the verse before that lists all these different nations. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Shows you what they knew, right? So the disciples here are all together, and it tells us they're in one accord. And one accord means they're in agreement. They all agreed that they should be there, and they're praying and asking God to give them this gift that he's promised. And they're, uh, just as the people were all in agreement at Mount Sinai, until all that happened, right? They said, we're all in agreement. We all agree we're going to do what God says. Okay, well, the disciples are here all in agreement. They were together on Pentecost, 10 days after Jesus had returned to heaven. And it says in here that they were in a house in, the, in our translation. But when you look at that original Greek word for house, it can also mean temple. So why would we think that maybe they were in the temple? Well, the Jewish temple is on that Mount Moriah where God had visited and, and not Mount Sinai, but Mount Moriah, where God had visited and done things. It, it was the mount that uh, Calvary was on. So why would they be in this temple on Pentecost? Because the scripture told them, right? I mean, if they know they're supposed to be in the temple to celebrate Pentecost, that's where they would have been. The crowd, it says, heard them speaking, and they're from every nation, and the Jews from many nations had come to uh, celebrate the Feast of Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks. And later it says that thousands of people, if you read on into chapter 3, thousands of people were baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and came to follow Jesus Christ. Uh, would have been a large crowd at the temple area. So as all these people are at the temple and they hear the sound, they don't know what's going on, and, and all of a sudden they realize these disciples are speaking in all these different languages, and they hear they're from a different country, and they hear their language being spoken. And what's being spoken is praises to God, and they're like, wow, I hear the message in my own language. They're praying at the temple. They're all together, worshiping all uh, in, in one accord, it says, and the glory of God appeared. And just as at Mount Sinai, the fire of God and the glory of God come down. But unlike it covering the mountain, this time the fire is upon the individual disciples. And uh, it comes and covers the disciples. In Exodus 2, there's the sound of a trumpet of the shofar with thundering and lightning that announces the presence and the power of God. The Ruach HaKodesh, the breath of God, is what that means. That's the Hebrew word for the Holy Spirit is Ruach 
HaKodesh, breath of God. In Acts, the Holy Spirit announces the presence and power of God in a sound like the blowing of a violent wind, it tells us, coming from heaven. In Exodus, the fire of God writes on the stone tablets, and in Acts, the fire rests on the people, and the law of God is written on their hearts, it tells us in Scripture. The fire of God came to rest on each of them, and they spoke in other languages. And why this is so significant, it shows that God is offering the opportunity to be people of God to everyone, not just one select group. It's all these languages to say, this is available to you all. So there they are. And the Holy Spirit comes on each of them. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to stay faithful, to avoid sin, and is always with us. The Holy Spirit gives us the reminder of what God's covenants are and to hear him and to obey. In Jeremiah 31, 33, it says, This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he puts the law of God on our hearts. And the ability to follow that law, the commands of God, he gives us with the filling of the Holy Spirit. So what do you think is the most difficult part about being a Christian, about living a Christian life? What's the most difficult part? Doing God's will. Daily life. Yeah. <clears throat> Ever have uh, struggles with um, your temper? Ever have struggles with sharing with somebody that you feel like you really should but you don't want to? Ever have other kind of struggles <laughs> with addictions or other things? Yeah, the Holy Spirit power is there for you to help you live your Christian life, to help you follow Jesus. Honestly, it's the hardest thing to do <laughs> is to try and do it in our own power. It's a good thing for us that we don't have to try and earn it to save ourselves, right? <laughs> well, the other thing is that uh, <laughs> not only are we not able to earn our salvation, we would even have trouble living the Christian life in our own strength and power. So God provides a way. How awesome is that? He provides a way to know him through Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection. And he provides a way for us to be able to live and follow the things that he's put on our heart to do, to follow the things that we should do by giving us the ability to be filled with the Holy Spirit and have that power and wisdom and strength to do it. Jesus told his disciples he would send the Holy Spirit to help them. And he, he describes what the purpose of this is. John 16, 13, and 14, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Jesus is telling him, you don't have to worry about this. He's going to guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me he will receive what he will make known to you. Isn't that great to know that the things that God wants you to know, the Holy Spirit will help you understand what those are? Romans 8, 6 says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. 
That's saying if you are living in your own power, your own strength, you're not following Jesus, your mind is going to lead you into different kinds of behavior that are spiritual death. But when you have the Holy Spirit within you, when you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that Holy Spirit gives you life and peace. Your mind is governed by that. The Bible tells us that unless we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we cannot be saved. And unless we have the power of God in us, it's impossible to live the Christian life. Praise God that he made that way for us. I have a little example that Tony Evans, who is a pastor and an author, uh, said he tells about a man who went to buy a refrigerator. The latest, best refrigerator with all the bells and whistles, uh, the top of the line item, right? Okay, so the store delivered it after he bought it to his house, and he was delighted. Oh, it looked beautiful. He filled it with all his food. It was so wonderful to have this great new refrigerator. The next morning, he went into the kitchen to make breakfast, only to find that the milk was really warm and it had spoiled. Uh, the ice cream was actually leaking out of the bottom of the freezer compartment, and the veggies looked kind of limp and were starting to change color a little bit, and the refrigerator was not working. So he called the store and he told them he was really disappointed. He'd spent all this money and the thing was not working. So the man at the store said, well, I don't, I don't understand what's wrong. Open the door and see if the light comes on. So he opens the door. Nope, no light. Put your ear up close to the fridge and see if you can hear the motor humming. So he does that. Nope, no hum. Then the salesman said, okay. Look at the back of the refrigerator. There's a cord on the back of your refrigerator. Check and see if it's plugged in. The man looks, and sure enough, it's not plugged in. So he told the sales guy, no, it's not plugged in. And the salesman said, well, sir, in order for your refrigerator to work, it needs to be plugged in. You have to plug it in. Well, the man got really upset and he says, that's ridiculous. For all the money I paid for this, it shouldn't matter. It should work anyway. <laughs> well, all of us would say, well, of course you have to plug in the refrigerator, right? <laughs> of course, that's obvious. And unless you plug in that cord to the invisible power source called electricity, it's not going to work. In that same way, our spiritual lives will not run without being plugged into the Holy Spirit's power. When we start to follow Jesus Christ, God gives us all we need to live our spiritual lives. But we have to choose to be plugged into the power of the Holy Spirit. So, I've been talking about Pentecost, about the Holy Spirit. So how are we today filled with the Holy Spirit? I don't know of anybody since the disciples that had the fire of God come and rest on them, okay? That was a one-time deal, I think. I don't believe there's been people since then. Maybe there have been a few, but mostly that doesn't happen for us. So how do we know if we're filled with the Holy Spirit? How can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? The first thing is, even if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to make sure that you have totally surrendered to Jesus Christ. Make him your Lord and Savior. Because unless you're totally surrendered to Jesus Christ, and what that means is to follow his will for your life, to do what he's commanded you to do, unless you're totally surrendered, you can't be filled with the Holy Spirit. Confess any sinful behaviors or attitudes 
in this first step. Uh, renounce and cast out anything of the influence of the devil in your life. For example, if you've been part of a cult or the occult or any pagan religions, hypnotism, psychics, astrology, Ouija boards, all of that, for example, if you've dabbled in any of that, you need to uh, renounce, repent and renounce of that and ask God to remove it out of you and surrender it to the cross of Jesus Christ. Ask Jesus Christ to wash you clean of all of that influence of the enemy. So totally surrender to Jesus Christ. Secondly, we need to ask Jesus to fill us with the Holy Spirit. He's not going to just do it. You need to ask. But the best part is when you ask, you will receive. Luke eleven thirteen says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the, your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So there's the promise of God in the word of God saying that if you ask, he will give you the Holy Spirit. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. God says to us that all we need to do is ask and then we receive. So surrender, ask, and then third, praise God for his gifts. When you have asked the Holy Spirit to baptize you, to fill you, just praise his name for that and thank him for that. Allow the Holy Spirit then to speak through you. Remember the thing about other languages. We need to trust the Holy Spirit to guide us to have that ability to pray in the Holy Spirit's language for us. Uh, sometimes this can take a little while to experience it. Sometimes people have to keep praying and ask for that. But believe me, when you ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit, God does do that. You don't have to wait on that. You may have to wait on that initial evidence of that prayer language in your life. But keep seeking it. It. Keep pressing in. Keep asking God for that. Because there's some things I believe that you don't fully experience until you have that. God's promise to baptize us in the Holy Spirit is true. When you open up your heart to receive all God has for you, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just keep seeking for all he has. In Ephesians, it talks about being filled with the fullness of God. What that means is that we want to have everything that God has for us to be filled with all of the benefits of following Jesus Christ, all of the gifts, all of the things God intends for you to have. Don't you want them? Of course you do. You want to receive everything he has. So today, whether you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit before or whether you are seeking the Lord for this for the first time, we should all want everything God has for us. So let's take a moment right now and just bow your heads and just surrender all that you are to Jesus Christ and take this before God, every one of us. Lord, we thank you that we can come and surrender our lives to you. We thank you that we can give you all we are because you gave your son to die for us. <clears throat> thank you that we have that opportunity when we receive that for that salvation, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you that you forgive us of our sins. Lord, we don't want any part of what the enemy's done for us to influence anything we're doing today. Lord, we want to have uh, all of that available to us and nothing of the enemy holding us back. Lord, we just lay everything down at the foot of the cross. We surrender it to you, Lord Jesus, and ask that you wash off any of that stuff in Jesus' name.
Amen. Would you please stand? We're going to close the live stream now as we continue here at South Oaks. Would you please stand? And uh, we're going to pray for you for the filling for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if you've prayed for this before, I just ask that you come up and just receive a fresh touch from God's Holy Spirit uh, today. If this is the first time that you are praying for this, I ask you to come up and we'll pray for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Like I said, no fire is going to fall from heaven. At least I don't believe so. But if it does, hey, great. <laughs> That's really powerful. And while you're waiting, I just ask that you pray for others who are receiving ministry. Lord, thank you for what you've done here. I pray you continue to manifest your presence in us as we go forth from this. Lord God, just fill us up to overflowing. Give us all you have for us, Lord God. Lord, we don't want to hold back. We don't want to say only this much. We want everything. Thank you, Father. As we follow you, as we follow you, Lord Jesus, that you have given us this strength, this ability, this truth, through the Holy Spirit. We just receive it. We receive him. We receive all that you have through the Holy Spirit for us, Lord God. We just thank you and praise your mighty name. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Amen.